Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hoop We Can Believe In. We're Tali and Rachie, twins and lifelong sports fans, here to bring you into our growing love for women's basketball and make the case for why this is the sport we should all be watching. Today, we're going to be zooming in to a topic that we've alluded to in many of our previous episodes, all three of them, um, and that's activism in women's basketball. Today, we want to bring you into why the activism in the WNBA feels particularly unique um, and why it's, again, one of the reasons we should all be watching. So, Rach, I know for you, actually, activism was the road to getting into the WNBA. Um, and we talked about that a little bit earlier, but I would love for you to tell our fans again how, how that journey happened. Yeah, so I think I, I did talk about this on the first episode, but to give a little bit more context, um, last year I was listening to a podcast by Alicia Garza, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement, and she was interviewing Lasia Clarendon, who's an amazing basketball player, then of the New York Liberty, now of the Minnesota Lynx. And Lasia is a member of the executive team of the WNBA Players Union, who was a part of the collective bargaining agreement negotiation. Um, but also helped to really put together, uh, the, the bubble, the, the wobble, um, that was where the WNBA season happened in Florida last year, um, during COVID and talked about what it was like to, to really kind of set the terms of the season for the WNBA. And a lot of players decided that they would go, but they would only go if they could really take a stand and make their, uh, season at a really tumultuous time mean something. And so they decided Decided as a group uh, with a lot of conversations to dedicate the season to justice for Breonna Taylor, to dedicate the season to the Say Her Name campaign, um, which really focuses on justice for uh, black women and girls who have um, been murdered uh, in the hands of police, um, and just the broader Black Lives Matter movement. And this this work had been happening to really take these stands, but there was one owner um, named Kelly Loeffler of the Atlanta Dream who had been a bit of an obstacle to really making sure that the whole league was on board with this direction. And it turned out that you might actually know that name because Kelly Loeffler was also a Republican senator from Georgia at the time who was running for re-election against Raphael Warnock. And um, she was causing all kinds of problems in the WNBA. And then they decided as a league and really also um, from the starting point of the team, the Atlanta Dream that she was a, a part owner of, that they would take a stand against her. And they started to wear Vote Warnock shirts before games. And the Atlanta Dream did this, the larger WNBA did this. The whole league really kind of took this on um, as as a campaign uh, to really like work towards Raphael Warnock beating her, um, which is a pretty badass move. And mm -hmm. it turns out you can really link um, his fundraising and poll numbers um, skyrocketing to the moment that this started to happen um, and, and the press that it started to get. And so I heard this story um, from Lasia Clarendon on this podcast about how central the WNBA was and how central the WNBA players were um, to ousting her from the Senate and really helping to flip the Senate. And then I started to think about how amazing it would be to love women's basketball in its own right, knowing that I love basketball, I love sports, I love being um, a part of a team, cheering for a team. And so it really, it really got me going. And then I started learning a lot more. And I started learning that it didn't start in 2020. Back in 2016, 
and Minnesota after the police shootings of Jamar Clark and Philando Castile, the Minnesota Lynx um, took a stand um, in their games and war shirts and, and gave messages um, about Black Lives Matter, about justice for these men who had been killed at the hands of police. And actually at that time, um, in their arena um, for the game that they did this for initially, the guards, the police that had been stationed there walked out because they felt that that was so disrespectful. And so as per usual, uh, the WNBA women athletes are always sort of at the, at the precipice. They're always at the beginning, um, of these, of these moments of activism and of these different strategies that might be taken on by, by broader groups in society, by other sports leagues that may get more attention. And, a really important player on that Minnesota Lynx team who was a part of taking that stand um, was someone named Maya Moore. And Tali and I recently watched an amazing documentary called Breakaway about her story. And sadly, we don't actually get to see Maya Moore play, who is historically one of the best players in the WNBA. She was a part of a Lynx team that won four championships in eight years, really just like a prolific scorer and winner. And we haven't seen her play, even though she's 32 and sort of at the prime of her her basketball playing years because three years ago she decided to step away from basketball and the thing she stepped stepped away to do was to help overturn a wrongful wrongful conviction of a man named Jonathan Irons who was convicted at the age of 16 in Missouri of armed robbery in a case that clearly had no evidence where it turned out there was a lot of tampering by the prosecutor um, and the police involved and she decided to um, commit the next year and then a few years of her life um, to ensuring that he could get free and that she could use her high profile and her money and her platform in order to get him out, which took a lot of time and had a lot of obstacles, but thankfully happened. And now she's continuing to be um, outside of the WNBA and committing her life to helping to get other people who are in similar situations to Jonathan out of out of jail. And so they're just these amazing players in the league um, who continue to, to show us amazing work on the court, but also off the court um, in who they are in, in, and in all of the moves that they make. And I will just last say that Lasia Clarendon, who I mentioned before, is such a hero on so many levels. They're also the only openly trans player in the WNBA and have really done a tremendous amount of advocacy for themselves, but also for lots of other um, queer trans athletes and has like very, very courageously shared his story. Um, he uses all pronouns. Um with the world. And I highly recommend a really incredible ESPN magazine cover story by um, Katie Barnes that can can share a little bit more. But learning about these players as they take these stands and what really drives them has been almost as compelling, if not more compelling, um, as the work that they do on the court. And to see that kind of integration has been so incredibly, so incredibly powerful. I really agree with how powerful it's been. And I, and I think something that I've been so struck by, um, and this was really pointed out in Maya Moore's, um, acceptance speech of the ESPY award that she received within the last few weeks. For those of you who don't know, the ESPYs are like the sports Oscars. And she received the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage, um, because of her work. Um, and, and one of the things that she said was, one of the things that she said was, um, 
you know, this, the, the, the documentary Breakaway, what it really does is it shows the humanity in her and in everyone. And I think so much of this activism is really a product of the fact that every athlete is a layered human being that has hopes and fears and passions. And there's just something about the activism that we see in all of these directions in the WNBA that I think really points back to all of these players' humanity. And I'm sure it happens in other professional sports leagues, but I think the way that we see it happening in the WNBA and the way it is so collective, I just feel like it makes sense that it's coming from a league that is 80% black women and, and almost all women. And that is just a really compelling and beautiful thing. And it's, I think the basketball brought us here and is keeping us here. But I think the activism is adding an extra layer of why it's touching us so deeply and why we want to bring you all into it. I think these stories are the reasons we even created Hoop We Can Believe In, the reason we can even have a title that says Hoop We Can Believe In. Amen. Amen. Tal, um, yeah, there's the activism, there's the, the bawling on the court. And I'm just wondering, um, from this week, were there any particular moments that brought you joy in the WNBA? Well, um, we are currently in the Olympic break, which means that until the Olympics in Tokyo starts, um, we're not going to have WNBA basketball to watch. But last week, to start off the break, the USA Olympic um, women's basketball team played against the WNBA All-Stars, who were not on the USA Olympic team. It was an incredible matchup. And spoiler alert, the WNBA All-Stars beat the Olympic women's team, which was really exciting to watch. Um, we're going to get to watch the USA women's team so I'm just going to take this moment to lift up the players who did so incredibly on the WNBA All-Star team John Quell Jones of the Connecticut Sun Arike Gumawale of the Dallas Wings who won the MVP with an amazing 26 point performance oh, so good and Courtney Williams with those fadeaways I don't know how she makes so them so pretty so pretty um and just so much fun to watch and um, yeah, and then and then that three-point competition. Oh, the three-point competition. If you want to watch some exciting basketball, just YouTube, WNBA All-Star Game three-point competition. Allie Quigley of the Vander Quigs. Look it up. And John Quell Jones. Oh, so good. So much suspense. Just knocking down buckets all over the place from everywhere. It's so exciting. Just go watch it. It's going to be the best. Oh, what's that I hear? And that's the buzzer. That's time for today. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. And thank you again to our executive producer, Liz Ashleman, as well as Rachel Fichtenbaum for the name Hoop We Can Believe In. This has been Hoop We Can Believe In. We're Tali and Rachie signing off. <laughs>